0: This episode was recorded on the 2nd of June, 2020.
1: I think that moving onto a digital platform and us as theatre artists, when we start creating on a digital platform, we are not looking to simply replicate what we used to do on stage in front of a camera. That's never going to happen. The experience of a live show is For us, in our homes, we're not going to be able to capture that and do that in front of a camera. What we are going to be creating is using our theatre tools is another form altogether, is what I believe.
2: We know that COVID is not going any place, it's here to stay. How do we live with it? We are hoping that we are able to reinvent all our festivals, re-looking at the way that we deliver it, including the Literature festival, which obviously we can't, we can't have 500,000 people coming in through our doors over five days.
3: One of the things I think I, I am telling people more and more is let's walk before we run. I think just because we were doing a 50,000 people festival before, we can't do a 50,000 people event on digital. Because we got to that 50,000 people festival doing smaller events and learning on the ground what content works, how to position it, how to learn about it. So I, I think there's a bit of a everyone needs to be a bit patient.
4: So what do we do now?
0: I was 4 years old when I got on stage and it changed my life. The audience, the wings, the lights, the sound, the discipline, the dry runs, the huge hall, the applause. Yes, the applause. Every time I went to a cultural event with my parents in Lucknow, like the Lucknow Mahotsav or the Book Fair in Delhi or Kamani Auditorium, I came home richer. When we travel, my family knows in a 14-day trip, we will see three to four plays. Imtiaz Ali's Tamasha means something else to a storyteller. And so this episode is dedicated to all those who love the Tamasha of live cultural experiences. By the way, if you like So What Do We Do Now, please subscribe, rate and review on the podcast app of your choice. It will help us know what you think of the show and help create a little bit more tamasha for people to discover it. If you enjoyed, please also share it with a few friends and do get in touch with us with your feedback or questions by emailing us at so what do we do now podcast at gmail.com. In this episode, I talk to Chiki Sarkar, publisher and founder of Juggernaut Books, Shreyas, the man who built tech stuff and Paytm Insider, Shira Khalid, theatre director and performer, also co-founder of Patchwork Ensemble in Mumbai and Sanjoy Roy from Delhi, the founder of the Jaipur Litfest, teamwork films, teamwork events and I think over 30 festivals globally on culture let's start off this conversation with sanjoy i asked him how can a big festival and cultural event experience adapt to digital
2: so roshan one uh, you know the shock to the system was pretty severe as you can imagine because what happened is post our egypt festival which we just about squeezed through in early march everything else then shut down so Hong Kong, uh, Singapore, Turkey, Morocco, um, and so on and so forth, all the way into June, GLF, London, we've postponed. We're looking at postponing GLF in the Americas, etc. And that then left us thinking as to, you know, sure, uh, you know, crisis, we can all shut down, stay at home, do nothing. But can we use this time to reinvent? And my own sense was that this was the time that everything that we wanted to do that was different, this was the time to do it. So we started GLF Brave New World as one of the first digital products that we did. And while earlier, Roshan, everything that we do anywhere in the world, we film and we obviously put online on across all our social media platforms, as you know. But what we've never done is created something specifically for the digital space. So GLF Brave New World was one such, which is a completely different model it's you know it's a one-on-one conversation it's deep dive it's shorter it's 30 minutes of course we put a skin around it which was jlf which is much more us and we've been able to actually i was just looking at some of the figures right now you know over a million reach so on and so forth for the 40 odd uh, speakers that we've had and we've had everybody from Margaret Atwood to two-time winner Peter Carey to you know the Nobel Prize uh, winners etc. Roshan, you talked about theatre. So as you know, March is meta time when we do our Manohar and Theatre Awards. Obviously, we had to postpone that, but this year we will do it online. Roshan, as you know, and you and I know intrinsically, while Digital is fantastic, it'll give us great viewership. It won't necessarily pay for itself and nowhere near will it come to the revenues that we're looking at in terms of live experiences. And most essentially, it doesn't allow you to embed that memory that a live experience does, you know, which takes you and and places you in place, in context, uh, in a space and creates that experience which is unforgettable, sort of like the MasterCard experience. So just crystal gazing, Roshan, as we know that COVID is not going place; it's here to stay. Uh, and we've known that for a while and like with any, va- any vaccine is going to take some time and it'll take some time to roll out. Uh, so we need to prepare in terms of how do we live with it. And this is something that we've been saying to government that one, we need to push back on the fear element. We need to follow protocol, wash your hands, wear a mask ensure that you're not in too much of a crowded place, but we have to restart. We are hoping that we are able to reinvent all our festivals, re-looking at the way that we deliver it, including the Jaipur Festival, which obviously we can't, we can't have 500,000 people coming in through our doors over five days, but we can certainly do something that's on the ground, live for a particular set of people, and then perhaps broadcast for the rest. And then over, say, another 12 months to 18 months, uh, get back to the normal cycle uh, of how a live experience or a live festival or a live event uh, can happen. And all of this is possible. All of this, there's a potential. And I think if people put their ideas to the table, it'll be easier to be able to turn this around than otherwise.
0: Symptom fear, palpitation, dilapidating bank balance, diagnosis, lockdown, paralysis, Mm, treatment, one dose of Insta life, frantic one hour exercise of answering AMAs online and 30 minutes of tweeting recommended every morning. You know, everyone wants to go online, but I believe you've got to do it right. Like Chiki Sarkar, founder of Juggernaut Books. She and her team Kickstarted a LitFest at the end of March with the hashtag, read instead. How did a publishing company go online,
4: I asked Chiki. We are a publishing company that on one hand does books, just as you know it. So we make paperbacks, hardbacks, you will find our books on a crossword or an Amazon or an uh, airport bookshop, whatever it is. You, many of our authors are known to, people like Twinkle Khanna or the Nobel Prize winner Abhijit Banerjee, or Rajdeep Sardesai. That's one part of what we do. And the other part is we own our own app. And we've been described as a Netflix of books. And the idea was to create a homegrown, smartphone-centered reading experience, which with low prices and getting Indians to read range of things. So we publish all kinds of things from horror stories to spirituality shots by Sadhguru, and uh, business to, you know, history. So it's it's a full reading catalog. So that's where we are. And uh, it's a small company we set up about three years ago. And as the lockdown was happening, I think all of us sat and said, what do we do at this moment, right? So I think on like the the lockdown was gonna happen on Sunday and on Friday night, literally we said, let's make the app free during this lockdown period. And uh, and and then we said, listen, what else can we do? And we said, let's uh, let's create, uh, let's create India's first massive online lit fest. We said, okay, let's make it really ambitious. And so on that Saturday, we announced that the app was going to go free. And then on then Sunday was that trial lockdown day. Monday, we said we're going to start this lit fest called Read Instead Lit Fest. And the idea was to do a video event every day. Uh, for a month. We'd made a deal with scroll to get bigger distribution. Uh, and so scroll was our distribution partner and came on, on this lit fest and they loved the idea. You know, it was an amazing thing for us because it was a learning curve. For example, we haven't worked enough with video in juggernaut. So actually we've all, for example, I can now edit a video. This is one of my skills that I've had to learn because everyone has to just get in there and start editing these videos. I'm not especially good editor, but I can just do a basic editing now. Actually, I found it very meditative. On the- you know,
0: there's a line that you all used with the festival, which said, keep the conversation around books alive.
4: Yeah.
0: Right? I mean, that was something that I read online. Yeah. Were you earlier finding, I mean, is it that the lockdown has then made people look out for more things to do? And therefore, people are engaging more with books? Or uh, how did you, how much did the festival help? Plus... Did you all sort of figure the festival as you went along or did you first hunker down and say, this is the plan and this is what
3: we're going to go with?
4: So, you know, the festival came alongside the app going free. So they were part of the same campaign, right? So, so read instead was one part was you can come to the app and juggernaut and you get lots of free, everything's free. And then you get, uh, there was a lit fest that amplified that conversation alongside it now it's hard to measure amplification Roshan. at least for me so i know that you know i don't know what i do know is this i know that app downloads have gone up app uh, I, I book downloads on the app have massively gone up installs have gone up time spent on the app have gone up
0: a few days ago a whole set of theater companies got together to chat on the way ahead Sadly, I wasn't able to attend the call, but it was obvious that many people were coming together to find a solution. I spoke to the founder of theatre company, Patchwork Ensemble, Sheena Khalid, to know what she was up to.
1: You know, Roshan, some artists feel that they are in a place where they want to slow down, just uh, take time to reflect and see what it is to be moving forward. A lot of people have been struggling with what it means to be productive, what it means to be creative in this time. There were a few theater companies. And here I would like to point out that these were, um, a lot of these were theater companies that have been spearheaded by the younger generation who have been doing things like workshops online and readings online and uh, I think uh, some device productions that it was supposed to open at this time they're trying to see how they can make that on an online platform Um, a lot of people have also started things like Instagram accounts where they have master classes where they're asking theater people to come in and how do you read a monologue how do you you know so uh, some educational stuff like that so there is like I think it is in any artistic field there are certain people who are Uh, just plowing ahead and seeing what they can do and there are certain people who are sitting back and assessing the situation and where do they move from there. I have found that there has been a bit of a shift for me in the past few weeks. Uh, For one, as a result of this, so many incredible theatres have put up their archives. So from the National Theatre, to uh, one of my favorite theater companies, Complicite. And so, th- you know, these are shows that we would have never been able to watch uh, unless you were in London, managed to get a ticket, paid all of that money. So all of this is available. And for me, that has been incredibly inspiring. And I think that has kind of made a little bit of a shift in 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 me and, and my practice.
0: Do you miss the green room?
1: Yes. Yes. I miss the green room. I miss the rehearsal room. I mean, because this is also something we have to think of, No, is when things do open up and when we get into the rehearsal room, as theater uh, makers, we're so used to warm-up games. We're so used to, you know, like theater huddles and things like that. When we move back into a world where social distancing becomes a norm, the very nature of the rehearsal room is also going to change. That is also something that we're going to have to navigate. I think that Moving onto a digital platform and us as theater artists, when we start creating on a digital platform, we are not looking to simply replicate what we used to do on stage in front of a camera. That's never going to happen. The experience of a live show for us in our homes, we're not going to be able to capture that and do that in front of a camera. What we are going to be creating is Using our theatre tools is another form altogether, is what I believe.
0: It is all about giving an artist a stage and letting them play. This is Pixels at Play with Your Passions. And at Commune, we did a play called Lockdown Love, which is still doing shows online, by the way. Sheena jumped onto this Kaach Ka Was she able to create digital love for this format with the audience? Also, what do you need? How do you adapt? Does it even make sense to take theatre online?
1: Yeah, so the process was really, really interesting for me. So the work that I do as a theatre director, there is a lot of focus on the actor's body and how the body is in space. That is the number one thing that I, I, I look at. And that's where my mind goes. So now all of that changed. Because right now I had to look at people within this tight frame and just focus on on heads and a little bit of, you know, shoulders. And, and, and that was it. That was the frame. So for me, the process started with uh, with this idea of, of of rhythm. Because, you know, when you're communicating with somebody online, the speech in itself becomes quite unnatural, but then it becomes natural for the online world. You know, we've had it. There've been Zoom calls where it's like you—it doesn't feel like regular conversation. So um, we were looking at what is that rhythm of two people conversing, and and not only conversing, but they're also on the date. So there's that awkwardness, the getting to know each other. But then also it is the over-the-top comedy. At the end of the day, this is a comedy. And comedy is all about the timing. So those were really interesting things to explore. When do actors pause? When is there suspension? When is somebody speaking fast? Also, Zoom is a, has some very interesting dynamics that you have to move around. For example, only when you speak does the camera come on you. So the idea of a, a reaction now has to become something that becomes vocal so that the camera comes back on the actor. It was a really interesting process. The, I, I'll be honest, the first couple of rehearsal sessions I thought were very tedious. And I assumed I was like, ha, ah, half an hour it'll happen. like yeah. And then when we started rehearsing, it was like an hour, 20 minutes, we were like, hi Ram, we're nowhere near done. But that was the English version. The moment we moved to the Hindi version, it was so much smoother because we knew a lot of these things and we knew what to expect. And uh, one thing that has that that has changed when you're when you're working on this on something like Zoom is that you realize, as a director, the importance of having somebody who is just dedicated to tech, because when we rehearse our shows in the beginning our lighting designers sound designers they come in on a later stage we have the people who are you know head production they are there from right in the beginning but uh, in this medium it's it's impossible
0: right and and when you discuss this with others I mean you know people who are uh, as you said some people who might have taken a pause some are just trying to figure out what to do some are enriching themselves what's the reaction you get I mean are we still Having that little oh, but you know this is not us, and this is not uh, the same. What are the reactions?
1: Yes, there have been some conversations where people are very averse to the idea of theater online. And uh, having said that, Roshan, me too. Huh? I don't want to see uh, three people reading the betrayal online. You know, Harin Pinter's betrayal. I might as I have the play at home. I'm very happy to sit and read it on my own. But then there's another theater company that has started doing uh, audio plays and they did something called Butter and Mashed Bananas. They did an audio play of that. So I think that's something that's very interesting. you know. And once again, using tech in, in, a, in, a, in a way that still sparks the imagination like the theater would. Um, so there is that resistance, but I think the resistance is to seeing classical theater on a screen. Whereas if you're using the form to create something new, to create something dynamic, create something relevant and living, then I, I then then I think your audiences will come.
0: People are usually willing to pay money for a live outdoor experience. However, are people willing to pay for experiences of culture, theatre, comedy, away from the comfort of their home? Shreyas from Paytm Insider is someone I have always greatly admired. Always ready to share ideas and information, he has championed the cause of online events and seems buoyant about the future.
3: I think like uh, we made this shift about a month ago, exactly. We launched digital events a month ago uh, after frantically working for about three, four weeks in end March and early April. What we've launched is we've there are two things on Insider today. There's something which uh, where people can publish digital events, ticket it, and uh, integrate with Zoom directly and take the event live and host the event on Zoom, and that's been scaling very well. We are doing almost like uh, 500, 600 events a week now. We see a large pipeline of content of event coming through, and that part is going very well. The second thing which which we've been testing is something which is uh, we call it live on Insider. This is interactive small formats where you need to hear and talk to someone directly we think zoom is the best platform where it's sort of two-way content where it's more one is to one and then live and insider is going to be a much larger room so think about zoom as a small room live on insider is a larger room but what what we've built is we've built a bunch of interactivity on top of live video so we can do things like we can run a poll for any, anyone watching the live video. We can run a quiz for anyone watching the live video. We can run a rater, like a sliding rater, for everyone watching the live video. We can do fill in the blanks for everyone watching the live video. So uh, you you can you can be enacting something on screen and everyone watching the live video can guess what you're enacting. So think of charades, fictionary, taboo, mafia, like so many different formats open up which are interactive and, and like, Uh, one is to thousands right so there's a host and he's interacting with all these people and uh, that's also something which we are starting to do we did a small uh, mimicry contest online on live on insider where we got participants from across india to and we had vip who is a mimicry artist judge them we got about 100 150 participants the finals was watched live by more than a thousand people all those thousand people were also judges so the, the final winner was 50% from the judge and 50% from the audience watching. So they could, after every performance, live vote uh, what they thought of the performance. So we are basically doubling down on both these formats going forward. So you will see a bunch of small rooms, a lot of small rooms happening where 50, 60, 30, 40 people are getting together and enjoying content, which is different from what you traditionally think of video content. The traditional viewpoint of video content is it's a passive consumption format, right? That's what Netflix is. That's what Amazon Prime is. That's what YouTube is. You're not talking. You're not part of the content. You are detached from the content. You sit and watch it. And fundamentally, that's an exclusionary behavior. It's as different from video content as you can possibly think of because video content by default is exclusionary. You sit in a room by yourself and you watch it. Uh, So everything we are thinking about, which is a small room or a big room, is a lot about what can you do together? How can you experience other people? Can you see what they're talking about, what they're scoring, what they're picking? Is there an element of competition? Or are you in a chat like this with a creator where there's a sense of intimacy, where you're part of that content in some sort of way? Yeah, and I think the first bits of that is live now, but like they're only like 20, 30% of our product roadmap. So we still have 70% of everything we want to roll out. Uh, the thing, uh, we had a few guiding lights, we said, Content has to be paid for. We didn't want to focus too much on free uh, because I think more and more people will find out and I see conversation increasing in that direction that doing live stream and giving away content if you're an artist is detrimental. We saw that uh, with music and once you once you let that horse go, you're not going to be able to bolt it back. So we wanted to be a platform which is about premium. We said every content piece, whether it's interactive content, whether it's it's live content on Zoom. We want it to be paid. We want paying customers to come here. I think that was the only guiding light. Everything else we've built around it. So in terms of payment, what are you seeing? Are people willing
0: to pay a larger amount for an exclusive thing?
3: Yeah, I think people are not wary really of paying money for content. I think what we're still in the early steps of is defining what this content is right and then being able to deliver the full promise of that content to consumers right so i think the challenge a lot is in the creator's mind right now a lot of creators assume digital events is equal to digital video right which is a wrong way to think about it right because then even if you get people to sample the content they won't come back so i think if we can establish that as a new format educate audiences that hey uh just like how you Buy something mass-produced, which is equal to what digital video is today. Which is then obviously that is you pay 599 rupees a year for it. But if you find something which is handmade, which is uh, you are McDonald's versus a Michelin chair then you pay 599 rupees for an hour for it. So I think that's the journey of education we are in. We have about 4,000, 5,000 tickets every day now on Insider, uh, just on digital content and uh, almost more than 60% of it is paid. Average ticket price is in the 200 to 300 rupee range, but people are paying. We see latent demand being in categories around things which which are very evident within this lockdown. So entertainment is catching up, comedy is very big, Uh, music, some formats in music are evolving, but we think latent demands are going to be around self-improvement for kids, for workshops, for learning, for hobbies. That's the latent demand because that's what people feel like, hey, I'm stuck at home. If I can paint with 20 other people and I can get instructions while I'm painting, I don't mind paying for it. So yeah, that kind of stuff is working very well. One of the things I think I I am telling people more and more is let's walk before we run. I think just because we were doing a 50,000 people festival before, we can't do a 50,000 people event on digital. Because we got to that 50,000 people festival doing smaller events and learning on the ground what content works, how to position it, how to learn about it. So I, I think there's a bit of a, everyone needs to be a bit patient. I think it is impossible to move everything we were doing in the real world and say, okay, now I've replaced all revenue I used to have on, on the real world. And now I'm making the same amount of money on digital it's not going to happen. And I think we'll be kidding ourselves if we think that's going to happen. We are seeing 20-25% growth week on week. So if we are doing 4,000 today, we are doing 3,000 last week. So the question is, where does this end up six months from now, eight months from now, 12 months from now? Uh, is this an alternative? Like like you said, some of your questions, nobody knows the answer. Like we can sit and gesticulate and and try to say, oh, the world's going to be this way. So the question not really is, will we do this forever? The question is, what do we do now? I think that is the right question to answer.
0: Our bubbles aren't just in our homes, but living in an urban-centric bubble itself, we forget so much. For example, the folk artists whose livelihood has been hit in such a big way. Traditional artists who have shied away from technology or just found it difficult to adapt how will they cope and how can we help them i asked sanjoy
2: the arts uh, artists and artisan community are devastated and as you know with uh, anybody who's a freelancer uh, in a city or in uh, a semi urban or rural places uh, what used to happen traditionally is if you had a natural disaster, uh, the Manganiyas or the Langas or the puppeteers then move to the next state or the next district, earned and send the money back. In this case, if they don't perform, they don't earn. And as you know, we started there for an advocacy and a fundraising program for the artist community and really for the traditional artist community in this particular case. You know, Roshan, when it comes to desperation, everybody will do what they can and we've already got over 150 artisans and artists uh, to uh, uh, redo their videos create content uh, to be able to put out Uh, recently i think last week or the week before that we did a concert for traditional artists that was one segment uh, for people in dubai to raise funds for them and we were able to do that so i think emergencies and crises sort of really bring to the fore, because everybody has a phone, everybody has more or less a smartphone, and they've realized the need uh, to be able to get up to speed as far as digital. I think where the problem is, Russian is that how do they get paid? They don't have electronic links to their bank accounts. These are village bank accounts or, you know, semi-rural bank accounts. And they're in you know, I think there's a big need to be able to help them turn around the way that they do business. But I do see this to be an opportunity, certainly in the music space, far less in the uh, dance and theater space, because it's very difficult, as you know, to capture dance on your phone in a home setting. But I have suggested to Bharatiya Kalakendra Kendra as to how they should start their dance classes, which they're starting online. And the one worry that I have, Roshan, and I know that because you're in in the lead of the technology space, you'd understand this, is that technology also then is the new splitting of haves and have nots. People who don't have access, don't have, uh, you know, and I'm not talking about only Kashmir here, I'm talking about artisans and artists who don't have access to bandwidth. Uh, you know, they may have a phone, but if you don't have bandwidth, you become The have not pretty much in the in the way that when we were growing up if you didn't have access to english you were part of the have-nots uh you know that's changed but i think technology will create the new have-nots and i think it's your and my responsibility to be able to see how we can help them help these artists in some way to be able to transcend that space but i do believe that we have to most importantly, philosophically show that the arts has a value. And if people understand that the arts has a value as they do when they buy a plate or a sofa set or a furnishing or a textile or a sari or whatever, they will also then begin looking at the arts differently. And not everybody will say, we are a platform there, playing. Or we are a platform for singing or I mean, you're not doing us a favour, you're not doing the artist a favour. It's a trade and it's an exchange. I think that needs to come out to the fore much more.
0: What is the future of cultural events? How will it sustain itself monetarily? Experiences will need new digital formats that work and help your consumer make the pivot too. Shreyas wading.
3: One is ability for the business to operate again, but the second is also ability of consumers to have the same mindset to go out and enjoy as they did before, right? We shouldn't discount that part. Consumers might not, those who went out every weekend might want to go out once in three weekends, which means your business is one third as a macro picture. So I genuinely think there is a lot of different effects we don't know. Um, but I think if you're nimble enough, all of us will find uh, one sliver within our businesses which which over time could be very big. I, I think it's up to us to find those slivers. Adding to your point specifically about events and if events start happening, will people go back? I do think people will go back. Will they pay as much as before? Might not. I think they might pay a reduced amount. Can we do the same format of events as we did before? Might not in the 12, 18 months because we might have to do social distancing we might have to do different structures. So the really big events, I think, are going to have to change a bit. I think some of these digital formats will stick. Not because real events are happening or not, because there is value in them outside of anything else, right? Uh, it's entirely the same. Like, why did OTT, OTT start working even, then, even when movies was released on cinema? Movies didn't have to stop for OTT to work. They worked independently. So I think, like some of this content will stick and will become a way for this to be, uh, like a play will have premieres and the play will have a run where it goes to multiple cities and then the play will become digital, right? The play will then sustain as a digital entity where people are paying smaller amounts to consume the play, exactly like how the theatrical and the OTT kind of thing has played around.
0: But what about smaller cities? around the country, how are they going to cope? Now here, a live cultural experience was very often just an outlet. Will they be able to migrate to digital formats? This is what Shreyas talks about.
3: I don't necessarily think aspirationally there is any difference, right? And I think in the touch points we are talking about, I don't think there is a difference. Culturally, there is a difference, right? Like you say, the culture of paying for something is new, even in metros, let's not forget it. It might be, we might be in this industry for a decade and decade is a long time for us, but in a historical perspective, a decade's not that big a time, right? 2000. If you go back to 2010, when we first did NH7, nobody was buying tickets. So I think they're on their own curve, just so how in metros, we've seen a curve gradually of people paying. I think we'll see a similar curve, curve in tier two, tier three cities. These kids are paying for Bigo Live and TikTok for, uh, for stuff on TikTok where they can buy and give somebody on a live stream all the digital goods. It's happening. The value is smaller and the, the amount they do is smaller. So I think we can't accelerate that path. Some of like groceries online has been accelerated because of this pandemic. Some of this is not being accelerated. So they'll take their own own course in time. But I do think there's aspiration. Like when we did the mimicry uh, contest, for instance, we had participants from Ajmer, Meera, Tagra. And like the guy who impressed me a lot was this kid who did uh, Thanos and Iron Man in Hindi. He did mimicry. He talked like Thanos oh my God. in Hindi. And uh, he was so good. Right. And then he did WWE stars in Hindi. Oh, my God. So uh, I I think a lot of us who lived in metros in Bangalore and Bombay all the time, I think we are not experts. Not at all. I, I think there'll be a generation of entrepreneurs. Like we are seeing that like there are a generation of entrepreneurs of top Indian companies now who come from small towns. And I think that hasn't happened enough in the media space. And I think, like VitiFeed for instance, I don't know if you know, there's a media company called VitiFeed, run out of Jaipur, I think. So I, I think once those media entrepreneurs come and Instead of us just hanging out with each other, we'll hang out with them at some conferences. We will learn something <laughs> because I feel like we just we just hang out with each other all the time and we just theorize. It's whole some one next level circle jerk happens. <laughs> uh, and...
0: It's called. So someone, someone the other day jokingly said, "Oh, the Latians of of the event industry." It
3: is. It is. It is. It is, it, is. it absolutely is. <laughs> I, I, and and, and then, my, then we think, why are we not scaling enough? I'm like, we're not scaling enough because we're just talking to ourselves, man. So
0: let's get on ground and do all we can. 15 days ago, a collective of organizations brought together over a hundred artists to chat about their lives and how they are dealing with this in an initiative called Staying Alive. My dear friend, lyricist, writer, Kausar Munir wrote something wonderful for us. Something that gave us all hope. And so, as we end this, I think it's apt to share. Ha manch badlega, par rang nahin. Roop badlega, par ras Theater naya hai, spotlight wohi mic testing ka style wohi. Hello, hello, one, two, three, four. Are you ready? Let's start the show. इस कांच के We को मिलकर हम नया दौर दिखलाएंगे। TikTok pe नाचन चाएंगे, YouTube पे गीत सुनाएंगे। इन ठहरे लम्हों को मिलकर हम नई चाल चलाएंगे। दुखसुख अपने Insta, FB पर लाइव ही बतलाएंगे. So, hello, hello, one, two, three, four, are you ready? Let's start the show. Mike बदलेगा। That's all we have for today, folks. So do share this podcast and leave us a review. We've talked mostly to organizers and platforms. So next week, we shall focus on music. And yes, if there is something we can help you with, just reach out to us. We're at So What Do We Do Now Podcast at gmail.com. That's So What Do We Do Now Podcast at gmail.com. You can also catch me on Twitter at Roshan Abbas and on Instagram at Roshan1970. Thank you to all our guests. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, stay sanitized. This is Roshan Abbas Production. So What Do We Do Now? is freshly baked by Made in India. Creative director May Thomas and Sean Phantom, Producer Sharanya Subramanian. Editor and sound designer Karthik Kulkardi. Theme song by Sid Kuto.
4: So what do we do now?